you guys aren't married, but there's a lot of things that you guys need to learn about marriage. And there's a there's an amazing section in Ephesians 5 about marriage. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna and then uh, I'm also gonna preach in, a, in a, a few weeks after that about like your workplaces and how you're supposed to, you know, to carry yourself in your workplaces. And these are practical things that Paul gives us. You know, in in the first three chapters, he's been just talking about how amazing God is to us and all the great things that He's done for us. And then He's telling us now how to how to live our lives. What are the things that we can tangibly do, practical things to do to live our lives? And today is another like a practical day because Paul actually gives us very practical steps here in how to put on the new self. And so um, we're gonna I'm gonna move on with Ephesians 4. Uh, Tiffany read it is uh, 25 to 32, and we talked about. Um, how the Apostle Paul describes the mind of the unregenerate mind, the man last week. Last time we talked about the mind of the man that is like not saved, the mind of the man who does not know Jesus, the mind of the, the man that is actually just headed for hell. And, the, uh, and he talks about in the futility of the mind. He says that they are, uh, they are futile in their thinking, futile in their mind. They don't have the ability to understand the spiritual things of God. They are darkened in their understanding. And basically, all the things that the mind of the unregenerate person comes up with, like their thoughts, their feelings, uh, their aspirations, their goals, their dreams, like the things that they want to accomplish in life, all of these things, like they could be great and they can be actually be helping the world and they could be doing great things for society. But in the end, if you don't, outside of Jesus Christ, it's all futility. Right? And Paul says that, that they are darkened in their understanding and their minds are, are in futility. Futility, right? Because actually what they are is their heart's been hardened and they're actually against God. They're doing everything in this world for this world and for themselves and they're doing it against God, right? Uh, and he says that the, the, the unregenerate mind or the heart, and I talked about how the Hebrew people, they look at mind as not just our feelings and emotion, but it's our thinking, it's our, our emotions, it's our will. It's like, a, it's like a holistic view of who the inner man Right? He talked about it, you know, like like be strengthened in, in, the, the, in the, the, the inner man is, is the heart, is that part of yourself that no one else can see except for God, that part of yourself that is, is like the seat of your emotion, the seat of your feelings, the seat of your decision-making, the seat of your, your fears and, and, and what makes you happy and, you know, like everything that's right there is your heart. And, and the Hebrew people, in the, the way that they describe it is, is, is not just like feelings, but it's like all of it together. And, and he says that the unregenerate heart has been hardened and is hostile, is against God. Um, he's an enemy of God, and it seeks out every kind of impurity. Right? He seeks to do all these kind of things, but in the end, it all ends in futility. And we see how the, that hardened heart that is the enemy of God, what it's doing to the world, it's turning this world more and more against God. Right? No matter where you go in, in society... Right? It can be here in Korea. It can be in America, especially in America. Right? That un, the hardened heart, that that just the worldly heart, is actually just doing everything he can to actually go against God. You know, in in the past, like in the 50s or the you know the 30s, we, there was a certain degree of what was good and what was bad. Because at least in America, there was like a level of like a like a, a like a godly thinking like associated with what was good and what was bad. Right. In America, what was good was lined up with some kind of biblical values because, like, you know, it was a, it was a Christian nation, and um, you know, like the, the forefathers founded it on Christian beliefs to a certain degree. I'm not saying that America is a perfect country and America is a godly like. I'm just saying that it, like, people knew like, oh, this is good and this is bad. Like, 
like like on TV, you knew what was good and bad. But now the mind of the world, which is sat- like the satanic, he's the ruler of this world, right? He's actually turning what the world deems as good and is actually making it against God. Right? So now the world is slowly making whatever is good, the whatever the world thinks that is good, is actually a slap in God's face, right? Like the things that the world values as like what's normal, what's right, what's decent, right? It's actually slowly but like in me- but methodically this worldly mind, this hardened heart is turning the world actually against God. And now more than ever, we as believers, we have to know and we have to find true conviction, right? Conviction can no longer be what we were taught, right? Like who, who went to Sunday school here? Raise your hand, right? right? Your conviction cannot be based on what you learned in Sunday school. Right? Your conviction cannot be even based on the things that you learn, like in a sermon or, or all these things. Your conviction has to come from the Lord. Because it's the Lord, right, that your conviction that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit is the only thing that's going to actually be able to help you to stand against all of the, the worldly thing that's starting to kind of turn this world uh, against, the, against God and against the Lord. We have to, have, we have to know what, where our faith is, where our hope is. You know, like, we have to know that, that like, what is the thing, what is the truth that we're being led by? It has to become real in us. Right? It can't just be like, I'm a Christian. Right? When you tell your friends, when your friends, you're a Christian, right? you know what happens? Especially like in like an American setting, is they already have all of these preconceived understanding of who you are. Right? When you say that I'm a Christian, like if they're not, a, they're not a Christian and they're like, they're kind of taken to this worldly thinking that's starting to, to actually dominate a world, like the thinking of most people. When you say I'm a Christian, they're going to be like, oh, you're, you're not intelligent. I'm a Christian. You're gonna, they're going to think like, oh, you're like a hypocrite. I'm a Christian. It's like, oh, you judge me. Right? There's all of these preconceived things that like, non-Christians already have towards Christians. So in order for us to be able to break out of that and actually start to really do what God and Jesus has called us to do, we have to start to have a real conviction. We have to start to really know what we believe in. What are the truth? What is the truth of God in us? Right? And, and we have to be led by the voice of God instead of the voice of the world. Uh, and at the, at the end of the passage last week, Paul was telling us that we are no longer are like, like we were in the world. He's like, he talks about the old self. He's like, you are no longer this old self. You are no longer this, have a mind that's futile. You no longer have a mind that is darkened. You no longer have a mind that doesn't understand the things of God. But then he talks about this, the new self. And I went a little bit into that last week. And uh, today he says, in verse 22 it says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And we have to put off the old self. We have to take off our old self. Let's take it off. Right? Like our clothes, right? You know, I'm not going to demonstrate it for you guys. I'm not going to take off my clothes, right? Everybody was like, thank you very much, right? But we, like, if you want to put on your pajamas, you have to take off your clothes, right? You can't just put on your pajamas over the clothes that you've been wearing. Mina hates it when I wear street clothes into bed. Who, think, who hates that? Raise your hand, right? I think Pearl said that that is the worst thing ever, right? right? Yeah. So, like, Mina tells me that I'm more gross than the average man, right? She'll tell me, like, like, I'll do something, which is pretty gross. And she's like, dude, you're grosser than the average man. And then, like, 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 
And she's like, I'm like, no, I'm not. All guys are gross. I'm like, no, no, no. You are more, like, ex- like exponentially more gross than the average man. Because in my mind, before I got married, like, wearing jeans and a T-shirt, going out and then coming home and then just jumping in the bed was not gross, right? It was just whatever. I, like, sometimes I would fall asleep in bed with my jeans on. In the middle of the night, I would get hot and I would just, like, kick off my jeans. And I would wake up, brush my teeth, and then put on a new T-shirt and go to work, right? This is just how I was, right? But... Mina thinks that's like the grossest thing ever. And she'll, she's like a Nazi. She's like, I'll come near the bed. She goes, did you wear that outside today? And I'm like, and I have to stop. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so I have to like take off my pants or then I'm like, no, I, I wore this in the house all day. And then I get, I, I'm allowed to sit down, right? But then like you can't just put on, like when I, when I put on my like, like fresh clothes, when she makes me put on fresh clothes, right? And then I wear my like elastic, you know, pants that I love to wear. You know, la- like every, in my house, everything's elastic. Like I have a belt on now, but when I'm home, it's like elastic. I just have everything, and the elastic shorts and like my tank tops that are just a little bit too short for me. And this is how I wear at home. And then I, when I put that on, right, to go to bed, I can't just put it on over my clothes. Right? I gotta, what do I have to do? I have to first take off the clothes that I was wearing. Right? And sometimes usually shower and I gotta put something on. And that's the same thing, right? With people, right? Like Christians today, like we have to understand that we there's a there's a conscious taking off of our old self that we need to do. We need to consciously take off our old self. We have to remove or take off the old self, get renewed in the spirit of our minds, and then we have to put on the new self. We can't try to wear both of it at the same time. And this is a step that tells us that. There's a there, there, that separates the two selves, right? Like between our old self and our new self, there is a step that Paul brings into it. He says there is a renewal of the spirit of our minds, right? He talks about it. Is that take off your old self and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and then put on your new self. This is what, like, this is the things that, like, like we have to understand is that our transformation isn't just like sometimes like this. And when we come to know Jesus, it doesn't happen overnight. But there needs to be a conscious, like a like a like we need to be a part of the process. And last week, you know, I, I wanted to actually talk about this, but I didn't have time. But it, like when you do expository preaching, it's actually helpful because I can just bring it up the next ne- next sermon. But um, this is what many Christians and believers struggle with. We try to wear our new clothes before we take off our old clothes. And this is what Jesus talks about when he talks about the new cloth and the old garment, the new wine in, in, in the, the old uh, wineskin, right? You can't put new wine into new wineskin. Why? What's going to happen, right? Because new, new wine, old wineskin has been like, there's been like, like wine that like ferments and it gets big and then it gets stretched and then, and then the liquid kind of like, you know, leather and liquid doesn't mix. And so old wineskin is already brittle and already kind of jacked up. And so when you put new wine in it, right, and the new wine is going to start to ferment and it's going to get expand with gas, right? It's going to burst it. And in the same way, Jesus talks about, like, you can't put a piece of unshrunk new cloth to cover up, like, a hole in your old garment because when you wash it, the old garment shrinks and then it tears away and it actually creates a bigger hole in your jeans. Some of you guys hipsters like this, right? Some of you, I've seen holes some in some of your jeans that's, like, way too big, right? right? That's because you guys put, like, a piece of, you know? But, like, this is what Jesus is talking about. Jesus was talking about this about the Pharisees. He's like, hey, the Pharisees, right, in their old thinking, there's no way that they're going to be able to understand the new things that I give them. Because the old mind that they have has to go. 
And, and you know what? When you look at the Pharisees in the Bible, did the old mind go? No, it remained. Because they had that old mindset of just, just like legalism. And if I do this, I'm going to be righteous, right? That mindset, right, caused them to not be able to receive the new things. And in the same way for us, there needs to be a taking off of our old self. Right? And then there needs to be a renewal of the mind. And, then, and that renewal will help us to actually start to put on our new self. The new life you have in Christ cannot be put over your old self. The new life, like the new self, is not an addition, uh, like an addition of new teachings to the life that you still live in the old. It's not new actions alongside the same actions that you did in the past. Right? Right? The new life that God has for us is not like, all right, I'm gonna go clubbing on Friday, and I'm gonna go drinking on Saturday, and then now that I'm gonna have the new life, I'm gonna go to church and worship God on Sunday. You know, people do that, and they, they, they live their lives down the road, but in the end, do they really grow? No, because there, there needs to be a taking off of our old self. Now, if you're going to the club to minister and do all that, I mean, I don't know, but, but honestly, like, if I'm, if I'm living it up on Friday, if I'm, like, being a, a jerk at work on Friday, if I'm, like, yelling at my coworkers, like, dude, you suck, or, like, or like I'm just, like, being mad manipulative, or I'm just, like, you know, all like you know, and then, and then all of a sudden it's like, and then I'm doing the same thing uh, on Sunday, like, like doing it side by side. It does, it doesn't work. But what Jesus says is that, hey, you can't put new wine into old wineskin. That wineskin has to completely change. And this is what Paul's talking. About. There's a renewal of the spirit of our mind. There's a change that happens in the way we think, in the way we feel, in the way we understand the world, and in the way that we see God, and in the way that we see ourselves. And this process doesn't happen automatically when we're saved. You know, positionally, just like justification happens instantly. Like when we're saved, we're justified by, by faith. We're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're forgiven. This is what happens instantly when we put our faith and hope in Jesus Christ and we say, Lord, I accept you into my heart and I want you to lead my life. I want you to be Lord over my life. I, I, and, and Holy Spirit comes and you become a Christian at that moment. You're justified, right? God sees you as justified. Blood of Jesus over you. You're justified. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you are, the new self is in you. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're walking in the new self. But there, there's the work of sanctification. And it's this process where we need to be taking off the old self and putting on the new self. Taking off the old self and then, being, and, and then having a renewal come over our lives. And it's not something that is done for us. Meaning I can choose to put on the old self and I can choose to put on the new self. Did you guys know that? The choice wasn't taken away from us when we were saved. The choice for you to choose your old self was not taken away when we were saved. At any given moment, I can choose to be in my flesh. I can choose to be in my sinful nature. I can choose to fall into lust. I can choose to cheat on my wife. I can choose to be manipulative. I can choose to hate. I can choose to listen to, not listen to God. I can choose to listen to my own fleshly understanding. Right? This is a choice that we constantly have. And that choice will always be with us, no matter how holy we think you are, no matter how long we've been a Christian. I can be a Christian, and I can be like 95 years old, sitting in my rocking chair. I could still choose to be in my sinful nature. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how holy you are. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, 
you, there, the choice for us to put on our old self will always be there. It was not taken away from us. So this taking off of the old self and putting off of the new self isn't going to be just like a one-time thing. But it's going to be a continual thing, a process in your life. Jesus said it in Luke 9, 23. He said, and he, he tells to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Right? Daily. Some versions don't have that daily. Dude. I, think they're, I think Mark was being a little lazy. But that daily, I believe Jesus said that daily. I think, I think Jesus, when he said this, right, 2,000 years ago, that daily was in there. He's like, pick up your cross daily. Because there's going to be some days where you don't want to pick up your cross. There's going to be some days that, there's going to be some months where you're not going to pick up your cross. There's going to be some years where you're not going to pick up your cross. The choice will always be there. And it will be a continual process in you where the continual renewal of your heart and your mind will make this choice easier and easier for you. Easier for you to take off your old self and continue to put on your new self and pick up your cross daily. This process, right, as you continue to be renewed in the mind, as you allow yourself to be in the presence of God, as you allow yourself to be in the Word of God, as you allow yourself to worship God, right? These things happen in, inside your heart and you spend time with God and there's this renewal that happens in us, right? The, the, the choice of picking up your cross, the choice of taking off of your old self and putting on of your new self will be, will be natural. It will actually be easier for you. And the key to, to taking off the old self and putting on the new self, Paul is saying is that there is a renewal of the spirit of your mind. Paul says it in Romans 12. He says, Do not be conformed by the patterns of this world. What's the patterns of this world? It's the, the old mindset, right? It's the old sinful nature, right? That exists out in the world. And be transformed by what? By the renewal of your mind. Our old self, left without Christ, will continue to do the patterns of this world. And we talked about it last week. It all ends in futility. All of the patterns of this world, in the end, right, it's just going to end in futility. But Paul mentions a renewal, a renewal in the spirit of our minds. The ability to take off our old self, put on our new self, is dependent on this renewal. And we know that the only one that brings true renewal into our lives is who? You guys should know this answer. Who is the one that brings true renewal? Jesus, right? Jesus. That's, a, that's the answer for almost anything at church, right? It's Jesus, Holy Spirit, you know, pray, Bible, yeah. When we continue to deny ourselves, take off our old self and put on our new self, right? When we come into the presence of God, we approach Him with, in worship, right? We, we allow the Word of God to kind of to, to be in us, to, 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 to not just to like read it, but just to like soak inside of who we are in our hearts. And we pray we're in intercession and we pray and ask God and we actually hear from God, right? It brings renewal into our lives. Just like you can't be warmed by a fire from far away, you have to draw close. You can't be renewed by God unless you draw close to Jesus. It, it, it's, it's a conscious effort and a, and, and a step that we have to take, right? There is, there is no... There is no, like, a cheat to, like, getting close to God and, and experiencing His presence, right? You know? There's a lot of life hacks these days. Who, who knows about life hacks? 
like that. What's that one? Net the BuzzFeed. Right? One time I just got hooked to a link on BuzzFeed, and for about an hour I just looked at all these life hacks, and I was like, dude, this is going to make life a lot easier, right? But there is no life hack to renewal. There is no easy steps. There is no, like, substitute. Like, you can do this instead of, like, being in the Word of God. You can do this instead of praying and, and being in the presence of God. You can do this instead of worshiping God. There is no life hack to renewal. The only way that we can truly be renewed is by Jesus. Jesus, he's the only one that brings renewal. We're renewed in his presence. As we draw near to him, he renews, he changes, he transforms us. And as he transforms our hearts, you know, taking off that old gets easier. Putting on the new, there's grace for it. And it stops being a chore. Now, when I look at somebody that's been in the ministry for a long time, and it's actually very, like, like, uh, like it, they have a lot of integrity, and you know that they, they're just amazing people, right? If you look at their lives, right, you can see that, that things become really easy for them. But it, that, easy, that ease in which they do things didn't happen overnight. It happened as they continually denied themselves and continually chose God. And, and as they continued to choose Jesus, it, that process just became easier and easier for them. God didn't want to make a bunch of robots that don't have the ability to choose him. Because, you know, I can do that. I can go to Shinzegar right now, buy a robot, and I can make that robot come to me every time, right? And God didn't want to do that. God gave us what? He gave us free will. He gave us a choice. And he's glorified and he's exalted when we choose him. When we want to speak to Him, when we want to know more about Him, when we want to hear from Him, you know, when we want to worship Him and be in His presence, it actually glorifies God. Right? That's how. We, that's what we're made for—to worship and glor- give Him glory. And it's a choice. We have to choose this, right? And then we move on today, and Paul moves on to telling us what that new self looks like. He's like, right, you got to put on this new self, right? When, when your mind starts to get renewed, there's going to be new, a new self, a new garment, a new way of doing things that's going to come over your life. Right? And he's telling us what that is. In verse 25, Tiffany read it. I'll read it for you. It says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work in his own hand, with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with any, anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come from, out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fit the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Right before this, Paul tells us that the new self that we have is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And that came in verse 24. So the new, the new self that we have is like God in His character. And it's in the true righteousness and holiness 
Paul is saying that the basis of our new self is, is God's righteousness and holiness. Now, can we live up to God's righteousness? Is, is there a way for us to live up to God's righteousness? No, right? Is there a way for us to live up to God's holiness? Right? No, right? That's all legal. That's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees said, you know what? If I do this and do that and do this, I could, like, I could live up to God's righteousness. That actually was the original sin of pride. Right? Like, if I eat this fruit, then I will be like God. Right? That's the same sin that the Pharisees carried in their hearts. Right? Just look differently. But it really, the sin was, if I do this, and if I do that, and if I walk like this, and if I do all this, then I can actually be as righteous as God. Right? I could be right with the Lord. There's nothing we can do, right? Our righteousness is like filthy rags to God, right? My, my, what, the best thing that I can do for you guys, and like my righteous behavior, you know what it is? It's like a dirty diaper, right? Like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a dirty diaper, especially by a toddler, but it is. It is. It's like... Nobody wants that, right? And that's, that, that's what our righteousness is towards God, right? I could spend every day of my life doing every good thing for, for, for everybody around me, but God's saying, hey, that's actually filthy rags to me. Right? There's nothing you can do to make yourself right. My righteousness is, your righteousness is only in Christ Jesus. But Paul is also saying that what God wants to build us up in us, right, through the new self that we continually choose to put on, is a reflection, is in the image of God. And the foundation of that is God's holiness and righteousness. We're not going to be perfect, but we're going to slowly be more like Him. That's what He's saying. It's like, dude, you're never going to be perfect, right? But then, when you continue to put on your, 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 your new self, when you continue to be renewed in the mind, you're going to start to slowly and slowly be like God. You're going to slowly and slowly be like Jesus. It's, that, that new self is actually made in the image of God. And then Paul gives us these practical gauges to what that new self looks like. I told you earlier that, you know, I love practical things. I'm a practical thinker. Right? I, I love it when I buy something or I do something and it's, it's like really, like, kill two birds with one stone. I love that, right? right? I, I'm a practical person and and, and Paul here gives us these practical things, these gauges in our lives that we can have that's going to actually point to the new self. It's actually going to be pointing to God's holiness and righteousness. It's not going to be God's perfect holiness and righteousness, but it's going to be a reflection of what God is. And I love Paul's words here because they're practical. And it shows that true transformation starts with God and how... And, and how we relate to God, and then, and then it moves on to how we relate to people. It's saying, this is, it's like, this is what you should be like. This is what you sh- this is the new self that, this is what your new self is going to look like. And, it, and basically, it's, it starts out with how we are to be with God, and then it actually moves into, because of that, how we are to be with one another. Meaning I can seem to have the greatest relationship with God. I can spend all my time reading the Word, you know, praying two hours a day, listening to praise music all the time, never drink, never do anything silly like watch TV. I can just focus on God, you know, and that's it. All that can be true, but if it doesn't bear fruit in how we deal with other people, right, something is out of, something is out of sync. Something's not right. Because our relationship with God should actually affect our relationship with now, you might have 
Verse 2, what does it say? It, earlier in verse 4, it's humility, gentleness, patience. Right? These are things that, if you're right with God, should be coming out of your life. True transformation that that some that, that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit starts with our relationship with God, which is very pivotal. You have to have that relationship with God. You have to have that relationship with Jesus. You have to be in His presence. You have to have that relationship with Him to to like long for Him and you know pray and like 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 experience Him and encounter Him. But then the fruit of that is it, it stretches out into how we relate to the people that are around us. And what he tells us here, all of this is how we relate to one another and the way that we deal with each other. The fruits of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of those things, right? It all comes down to how we relate to other people. Meaning if when Holy Spirit is in you, which takes relationship, right? When Holy Spirit is in you and, and Holy Spirit is like doing whatever the Holy Spirit is, needs to do in your life to like make you more, you know, like like, like Jesus, when that... When, when that is happening right, then the fruit of that is going to be in how we relate to one another. We're going to love one another. We're going to have, like, joy. When people tell us, like, you know, like, you know, like crappy things, we're going to be like, oh, we will still have a joy, right? Like, there, there will not be a joy that people can't take away from us. It's really hot in here, by the way. Can we uh, aim, aim the thing? Um, I sweat a lot. When I was playing the guitar earlier, I... I like the guitar was stuck on my thing. I have this big old wet spot right here. That it should all be going out into the way that we deal with one another. And, and things that pertain to our inter- interactions with each other. So what, so what are the things that Paul talks about here? You know, he's talking about what marks God's righteousness and holiness being reflected in our lives. And, and the love, thank you so much, Leanne. And, and the way that Paul gives us is he gives us his glimpse of this old self, and then he t- gives us a picture of our new self. Right? He gives us a, like a glimpse of what we should, we should not be into, and then he gives us a picture of what we should be into. Right? The first thing that he t- talks about, this is very practical things, guys. Right? These, like, it doesn't, it's not a reflection of how you are in the inside of your, your spirituality inside. This is your spirituality in the way that you live your life every day. Right? These are the things that should be in your life in the way that you live your spiritual life. Whatever transformation God is doing, this should be reflected in the way that you deal with people around you, right? The first thing is put away falsehood. Let each, let each one of you speak the truth. Our old self is falsehood. Our old self is dishonesty, lies. One of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie, right? This is important because not only is lying sucky, right? Lying is really bad. But it's, it's because God is truth. He is light. He is the ultimate truth. So falsehood and dishonesty is, is not only bad, but it also goes against who God is. Right? That's why God hates lies. That's why God hates falsehood. Satan is called the father of what? Father of lies. And the new self that God produces in us is one of truth. And Paul's telling this to the church. He's like, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another with each other. He's like, you guys are the body of Christ. You belong to one another, like, like, I, like I've been saying all along. Now speak to each other with truth. Because even the world hates liars. Even the most worldly person hates liars, right? You know, like all of, like, like the, even, you know, like all of the non-Christian people that I know, they hate liars. 
So it's not like this thing like, like all the non-Christians are lying and all the Christians are not lying. No. Like even the world hates liars, right? So he's saying so much so should the church be truthful with one another. That we should be people of truth. We should be marked by truth. We should be marked that, that out of what comes out of our mouth constantly should be the truth of God. And it should be the truth. No dishonesty, no unrighteousness. It shouldn't, like, like it sh- we, our mouth should be far from telling a lie, but it actually be continually, and we should try to continually speak the truth. How can we be an example to the world if there's lying and falsehood within the body? But we must be marked by truth, speaking the truth to one another. These are tangible things. This is like, this should be like, 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 like how to walk with Jesus 101. Number two, be angry and do not sin. This sounds like an oxymoron, right? How can I be angry and not sin? But it's what we're called to do because we will get angry. Everybody gets angry. How many people in here get angry? Everybody here gets angry. Last week we had a staff meeting, and um, we have a pastor up in Seoul named Billy, and he's like the nicest guy you've ever met. Who's actually had a conversation with Billy, right? Billy is like the sweetest, most gentle. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, I love him, right? He's so nice, and I, and I can't. And then Mina went up to Daisy, his wife, and he's like, and the both of them is like, does Billy ever get angry? Because like we both can't imagine Billy getting angry, right? I can't imagine him getting like, ah, like you know, like getting angry and like. But then he's like, oh yeah, I get angry, I get angry, and sometimes I blow up, right? Everybody gets angry. Doesn't matter how holy you are, and doesn't matter how like you know, like like righteous you may be, or you know how long, like how like you know. Like, your pastor or whatever. We all get angry, right? I wrote in here, he's like Flanders from The Simpsons. He really is, right? But anger is a part of our life, just like sadness and happiness and everything else. All these emotions are a part of our lives. Anger is something that we'll always have in our lives. But while anger is not a sin, what comes from anger can be a sin. The passage that Paul writes, he's quoting Psalms uh, 4.4. It says, Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own heart on your beds and be silent. And the truth is, we will get angry, but what comes from that anger, after the anger, is a choice. You know, Later on in verse 31, we see Paul describes a lot of the things that can come from anger. He says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, be put away from you along with all malice. That anger in verse 31, right? He says, be angry, do not sin, but he says, put away all anger. Right? That verse 31 in the Greek, that word angry is arge. Right? In the Greek is, is arge. It's actually a different Greek word than the verse, the, the anger, angry in verse 26, uh, which when he says, be angry and do not sin, that word is argizo. And they do, they come from two different root words, right? So they're actually two different almost like like radically different words. And the first one, the uh, the angry from verse 26 where it says, be angry and do not, do not uh, sin, that definition is to provoke, to arouse to anger, to, to be provoked into anger, to be angry, to be wroth, right? And then the other one that is in verse 31 where it says, do not, it's like remove this from your life. Um, that that word is called argay, and that word is anger, the natural disposition, temper, character, movement, or agitation of the soul, impulse, desire, any violent emotion, 
uh, especially anger, wrath, indignation, anger exhibited in punishment, hence used for punishment itself, uh, punishment inflicted by magistrates, right? So there's are like actually two different words to, to describe it, right? So there's like, like he's saying that you can actually be provoked to anger. Being provoked to anger is a natural thing, right? That's argizo. You can be argizo, right? Argizo is all good, but then don't be argay. That sounds weird, right? But don't don't be this anger that actually comes from a place of wrath. Don't be this anger that comes from this place of like bitterness. And Paul talks about malice, right? Unforgiveness, right? These are things that can come from your anger, right? But remove that from yourselves. And then he gives us a lesson about time. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Meaning, don't allow anger to simmer and remain in your soul, like a slow cooker, right? Just just to sit there, anger, like oh, and you just you just you just you just marinate in that anger for like days, and you're just like oh. Oh, Amanda said that, and I was so angry. And then instead of just like, you know, you just let it sit there. Tuesday, oh, yeah, she said that. And Wednesday, and she's like, oh, I can't believe she said that. And Thursday, and she's like, how dare she say that? And then, like, you actually, the anger actually gets worse and worse inside you. I mean, you're doing nothing to kind of resolve that anger in your heart, right? But Paul gives us a lesson in time. He's like, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Meaning, like, if you're angry, it's all good. It's okay. I get angry. You get angry. Everybody, God gets angry. But don't let that just sit in you and just start to fester away in you like cancer. Get that out of you. Right? Remove, do, do, deal with it. Do whatever you need to do to deal with that. And don't, he says, don't give, give the devil an opportunity. Right? So no longer, do, do not give the, the devil an opportunity to use that anger to create malice in you. Don't you give the devil an opportunity to use that anger to create, like, bitterness, you know, annoyance. You know, annoyance is actually worse than anger. Annoyance is, like, really bad. Because I, I know that when I get annoyed at Mina, I'm like, the feelings that I have is really bad. She'll do something, and I'll be like, it's not like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And the annoyance is like, yeah, she'll do that. She's just like that. I can't believe she did it. And it's not like me anger. I'm just, like, really just annoyed with her, right? But I realize that that actually has more bitterness in my heart than me just getting angry at it. I'll get angry and be like, oh, why did you do that? But it's all right. I'm, okay, I, I, you did it. You weren't thinking. I get it. But then if I'm just like, what a turd. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you know, or like bitterness. If I, or contempt. You know, contempt. Right? Contempt wrecks marriages. I read, we read a book on marriages, and it says that when you allow contempt to build up in a marriage, you're actually like sowing the seeds for like, like discord and sowing the seeds for divorce, right? When you like contempt, that starts with anger. That starts with when somebody does something in your life and you're like, oh, that sucks. But then after a while, if you just allow it to just simmer and just stay there, it's going to turn into something that's really ugly. And Paul says, don't, don't do that. Right? Don't allow that to do that, right? It's okay to get angry, but deal with it quickly in a healthy way. Try to work it out. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in, in uh I think it's uh, Matthew chapter 5. It says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Right? Like, like if it, you know, like don't, just, don't let a day pass. Just do whatever you Leave your altar. Go 
and, and, and do whatever it takes to reconcile with your brother. Now, some of you guys need a little bit of time to process the anger, right? That's okay. Mina's like this. Mina, initially, when I do something stupid, she's like, I don't want to see you right now, right? It's not, that's not contempt. That's not, like, malice. That's just, she just doesn't want to see me right now, right? Right? It's okay. You have to be able to process your anger. You, you, if you need a little bit of time, if you need a little, like a, even like a, a day or so to process that anger, it's okay. But then after you've processed that anger, whatever it is, you have to let it out. You have to deal with it. Or else whatever it builds up inside of you is going to be like, it's going to be like really gross. It's going to be like cancer inside of you. Right? Malice, bitterness, contempt. These are unhealthy things. That should not be in our hearts. But it starts with anger. And Paul is saying, it's okay to be angry. Be angry and do not sin. And you know what? This is very hard to do. It really is. It really is very hard to do. But it is the mark of renewal in your heart. It is the mark of that transformation that God is bringing into your life. That initially you can get angry. But then you're going to be able to, to, to get past it and get to a place of health. I gotta move quickly here because it's, it's getting kind of late. Three, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with everyone in need. Here's another example of Paul telling us our old self and our new self. He tells us the thieves to no longer steal. He's not just talking about the person that steals an apple to get because you know, he's going hungry, but he's talking about uh, the people that are, are led to laziness and idleness in their lives. And they find dishonest and unlawful ways to make money. God was, like, he, he's all about property law, right? If you look at a lot of, like, the Old Testament, God talks a lot about property law. There's a lot of things that God lays out in the law that wants to protect private property. And so stealing is unlawful gain. And unlawful gain is something that goes against God. It's because God is a God of justice, right? God, if, because God is a God of justice, right, stealing, right, at the ultimate, at the end, is something that actually goes against God. So Paul tells us not to steal, but he also tells us about our new self. Our old self was to steal. So he's like, okay, don't be in your old self. Don't be stealing, right? right? Don't be like, like stealing things from me, whatever it is. I'm pretty sure none of you guys are thieves in here, right? But don't be stealing. That's okay. It's, I can do that. I cannot steal, right? But Paul takes it another step where he's like, okay, the new self is this. Right? Don't just not steal, but the new self is like, hey, like make Work hard with your hands. Make money so that you can actually be generous with it. That's the new self. The new self isn't just to, to not steal, right? Because I think most of you guys in here, right? Koreans don't steal. Like, I, I could leave something out, come back an hour later, still there. We're really good at not stealing here in Korea, right? Who, who's left their phone somewhere, came back, and it was miraculously still there, right? I think Korea is really good at not stealing. But then God's saying, you know what? Don't just not steal, right? But actually, you know what? Work hard with your hands so that you can make something and then you can actually be generous with it. And, and, and generosity is an aspect of the new self. He says, he tells us a new self in which we let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So a sign of a renewal in our lives, God bringing transformation to our heart, isn't just so that we don't steal, but it's so that we learn generosity. We learn about like, Helping others, we we learn about caring for others. We learn about like like sacrifice and giving of ourselves. It's not just so that 
We make all this money so that we survive. But to have a heart that seeks to give and be generous and to be sowing into other people's lives. The old self is one that takes and steals. The new self is one that doesn't just steal, but is actually sowing and pouring in to other people. To help other people, to care. The Bible says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. That's what he's talking about God, right? He will supply seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. That's what God wants to produce in us. He wants us to produce not just like a people. The church is not supposed to be a people of just like takers and takers, but then givers. Be marked by generosity, marked by giving. It's an aspect of renewal, being more like God. It says in that verse is that he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. That's the heart of God. It's like God is generous. You know, God is the most generous being ever, right? And, and a sign of that for his people is for us to be generous. Number four, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. and Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Jesus said that out of the fullness of our heart, the mouth speaks, right? Out of whatever is in our hearts. He said out of like all of the evil things that's in the heart of this man, all these evil things come out of his mouth. But out of all of the good things that's in his heart, all these good things come out. It's out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's a very bad paraphrase of that, of that, that passage, right? But he said, he's saying that, not only are like are a lot of people when we think about this right we when we think about what our mouths can produce we think about curse words right the f word right right I like texted a Colleen about Bible say and then like I did a reaction it wasn't a really bad word but it was it wasn't like the most like like edifying way to say something and I was actually trying to say it to Mina but then I got mixed up in cacao and I cacaoed her and I was like oh crap <laughs> I was like really shocked, and I was like, "Oh, what?" And, re- and then she's like, "Oh, it's okay. We're all human." And I was like, "Oh, thank you, Colleen. You're awesome, right?" But it, w- it wasn't like a curse word or anything like that. It was just like, I, I, you know what? I mean? It wasn't that bad, right? But like, like a lot of people when they think about when they think about like 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 corrupting speech coming out of our mouth, we think about curse words. We think about like people that curse a lot or say bad things or use the Lord's name in vain. Now. That's all important. We need, as Christians, we need to set the example. We, can, we shouldn't be cursing. We shouldn't be like, be foul mouth. We, sh- we definitely should not be using the Lord's name in vain, right? But you know what? What Paul is really talking about here is that our mouth has the, the ability to give life or produce death in us, right, in other people. Right? I can use my mouth to raise you up and, and bring life to you, to relay, or I can use my mouth and actually to, to cut you down and actually kill you, right? And he's saying, don't let any corrupting talk come out of your mouth. It goes beyond the type of words we use which those words flow out of us. You can use words with no curse words or any kind of expletives to hurt somebody. 
You can use words to, with no curse words or any kind of bad things to actually tear down the body of Christ. Gossip, slander, words of division. These are all ways that we can use words to not build up but tear down. Doesn't mean you can't bring criticism. We have to know that there is criticism and there is division. There is critique and there is slander. And I'm not here to tell you where that line is, right? Because I'm like, I think for a long time in our church, there was this fear of gossip over our church. Our church it really, it was really, so we, nobody want, felt like sharing with other people was very difficult, right? Right? But I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to draw this line and saying this is gossip and this is not gossip, this is slander and this is not slander. That the, Paul gives us a line right here, and it's the Holy Spirit. God's saying, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, there's words and conversations that you can be a part of, and the Holy Spirit it will tell you, you know what, you should not be saying this. And in essence, when you do say that, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. And we have to understand this. We have to be led by the Spirit. We have to be led that when we're in the body of Christ, and we can say things to actually build up the body of Christ, and we can say things to actually tear down the body of Christ. And that line of what that actually is, that, that decider, that, that, that like, like, I don't know what, that is, what the word for that could be, but like the, the, the judge of whether or not it's building up or tearing down, it, it's not me. I don't want to tell you what you can say and what you can't say, but ultimately it's Holy Spirit in you. And Holy Spirit, God is saying, you know what? Holy Spirit in you will tell you whether you're building up the body of Christ or if you're tearing down the body of Christ. Holy Spirit will tell you if you're hurting somebody with your words or if you're tearing down somebody with your words. Right? I, I, I've said things a lot when I'll say things. I, I'm a very, like, people say I'm offensive. Who thinks I'm offensive? Now, Pearl and Amanda. A lot of people, some people think I'm offensive. Some people think that I have, like, I talk like, I say turd, or, you know, I say these things, that, or, like, I'll, I'll, I have a disease called foot mouth decitis, right? Where I'll say things, and it's basically, I just stick my foot in my mouth, right? I'll say things that I'm not supposed to say, you know? But, but at the end of the day, you know what really, like, tells me when I go home? is like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. The Holy Spirit. Right? When I think about, when we think back, there's times where I'd be like, oh, I, I shouldn't have said that about that person that way. And, and it's the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit will tell me, you know what? Like when you said that, you kind of grieved me a little. And then there's times where I'll say stuff and I'll be in my flesh. And I'll be like, you know, like blah, 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 blah. And then, I, and then Holy Spirit is telling me, dude, you're grieving me. And you know what? When I try to worship God, it's really hard. Right? And when I try to be intimate with God, it's really hard. And it's actually creating a distance in your heart from the Holy Spirit. And how we use our mouth, how we say, how, whether what we're saying is edifying, is it building up? Is it, is it there to really like bring life into people? Or is it there to tear people down? Is it there to tear the body down? Is it there to, to, to slander, to, to, to bring people down? The regulator is the Holy Spirit within us. There are some things that you'll say and the Holy Spirit will come alive in you. And you'd be like, Holy Spirit would be like, yeah, that's true. Just declare it, say it, right? And every time when, when you're saying something, Holy Spirit is like, dude, you're grieving me. And so he says that it's the Holy Spirit. And he says, let no corrupting talk come from your mouth. Don't let talk that's going to grieve the Holy Spirit come from your mouth. But whatever is useful for building up the body of Christ. And lastly, it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Right? These are all the things that can just tear 
the body down. It's going to tear people down, right? But be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Don't let anger and the enemy produce these bad things in you. And he exhorts us to be kind, tender-hearted. We have to allow our hearts to not harden, be hardened towards people. And it's hard, right? He's basically saying, keep your heart open towards people. This is very, very hard. You know, it's very, very hard to keep your heart open towards people. It means we keep our hearts open, even if it's going to hurt, it may hurt, even if they're going to be jerks to us, we, we allow our hearts to stay open, and in the end, we walk out a life of forgiveness. Because who forgave us first? Christ forgave us. On a mark of the people that God is trying to raise up. Right? This is a, a reflection of what God... Paul saying, he's talking about the church here. He's not talking about us individuals. He's talking about the church. He's saying, these are the people that's going to represent Jesus on this earth. Right? They're going to be generous. Right? They're not going to be like, you know, their, their words are going to be powerful. They're not going to, they're going to use it wisely. Right? And, 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 and all of these things that he's saying, and then he's saying, you know what? The, the people that are going to represent Jesus are ones that are forgiving, that are able to forgive. And some of you guys, forgiving can be one of the hardest things to do for some of you guys. I know some people, they, they have an understanding, and they're actually Christians. Like, you wronged me once, that's it. Right? You know those attitudes of people? Like, you wronged me once, you lost your chance. There's no way for you to get, get you know, my, my, my heart or my loyalty back from you. That's not, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus tells us, and this is, I'm telling you, this is hard. Right? And this is what Jesus says when he says it's going to be hard to follow him. When he says, pick up my cross, you think a cross that, like, like the life that, like, you know, like, is, is, is going to be easy? Now, it'll be light because we're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. But is it, is it going to be easy to follow Jesus? No. Is it going to be easy to, to be a people that, that forgives one another? No. I have a hard time forgiving. You know, there's there's times where I'm like, like you know, there's things that I hold on to sometimes for a long time. I'm like, oh God, I, I don't know if I can do this, and it, and it takes me just continually going to God and asking Him to give me the grace to be able to forgive, and then I'm able to forgive. And He continually reminds me, like you know what, like like this is what I did for you. I forgave you, and 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 I want you to be a person that forgives. I want you to be a person that keeps your heart open towards people. I want you to be a people that's loving and tender-hearted and generous and is able to to forgive and walk in love with one another. This is the new self that that Paul talks about. These are all very practical steps. These are all things that should be reflected in the life that we live. You know, your coworkers, the people that your family members, the people that 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 you you deal with on a regular basis. The renewal that God has for you, this is the fruit of what that renewal is going to produce in your life. I want to encourage you, church, to go back and read this this passage again. Today, when you go back, take a moment and read this passage again and and ask yourself, are are these fruits flowing out of my life? Is this something that that I'm able to flow generously in? Am I I able to to move in this? Is this an aspect of what is being produced in my life. And be honest with yourself and ask the Lord. And then, and then what you do is you ask God for grace so that as you continue to live your life with it being empowered by the Holy Spirit, 
that these things do start to flow out of us. Let's all stand up.